hello everyone and welcome to this month's very special edition of Accommodation Matters. I'm Fiona Ellison, Director of the Unite Foundation and this month the Unite Foundation is taking over the podcast and we're here to discuss care experience and estranged students experiences in higher education. The Unite Foundation is an independent charity and we offer scholarships to care experienced and estranged students taking care of their accommodation costs and bills whilst they study at university. Unite Students is our principal donor and accommodation partner and we've been working with them since 2012 and have offered um, more than 500 scholarships to young people. We believe that with a stable home taken care of, students feel able to access and make the most of everything that university has to offer. Our vision is that for Unite Foundation students to lead their narrative, instigating changes that improve their university experience for themselves, but also all care experienced and estranged students. Um, And as part of this ambition, I'm delighted to welcome our scholarship students, Bethia and Sharik, who are joining me to share their thoughts and insights of what it's like being a student at university and to explore some of the big and small things that universities can do to make life a little bit easier for those studying without the support of a family. Bethia, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi Fiona and everybody listening. I'm Bethia. I graduated last year and spent the final two years of my undergrad as a scholar. I studied law at UCL and I'm now have recently started my training contract as a solicitor. Great, exciting times. And uh, Sharik, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm studying at Portsmouth University. I did sport and exercise science in my undergrad degree, and I have received a United Foundation scholarship in my undergraduate degree. And then alongside us today is also Peter from Edinburgh Napier University. Peter, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi Fiona, and delighted to be here today. My name is Peter Torby and I work at Edinburgh Napier University where I'm a senior widening participation officer. Um, so we work at doing widening access and widening participation initiatives. Um, I've been in post now for quite a little while now, since 2014. Quite an extensive experience in some of the topics that you've mentioned, Fiona, around supporting care experience students and estranged students into higher education. And I'm delighted to be here with you for this conversation. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, so... Diving straight in, Bethia, I'd love you to start and tell us just a little bit about how you came across the Unite Foundation and what the scholarship involved when you were part of the scheme. Yeah, so I didn't find or know anything about the scholarship until the end of my first year. I have been estranged since kind of mid 2000 and I think 17. And the first year of uni was quite stressful and a really challenging time, adjusting to everything that had happened and also just trying to pay bills, uh, achieve the grades that I needed and fit in in a social setting and with a student body that didn't really look like me. And I think I was looking at scholarships and different support kind of channels that were available through my uni and I noticed the Unite Foundation So I applied and I was fortunate enough to be successful in my application and the following two years I was blessed to receive accommodation from the foundation. And I'm so pleased that we could support you after the after your first year and and hopefully meant that that life got a little bit better after that. So you were on the scholarship for um, uh, three years. What did having a, a home at university mean to you through the scholarship? 
having a home at university for three years means a lot because I didn't have to think about like paying bills and the stress that comes with that. So I was able to focus on my studies and also find time to um, fix my, you know, mental health and things like that. So it was a big relief. What would life have been like if you didn't have the scholarship? What would you have done uh, without the scholarship? I'm not sure what I've done because before I found out about the scholarship, I was basically researching about uh, postal university. Very stressed at that time. The United Foundation Scholarship came up. I was like, wow, three years for, you know, estranged students. So receiving the scholarship was really good. Without it, I I'm not sure if I would have been at university or even if I had pursued to go to university, I think it would have been a lot of stress focusing on finding job and also balancing my studying and also working at the same time. I think it would be very, very challenging. With the scholarship, I was able to relax my mind a bit more and just focus on what I was here to do was to study and to get the best grade I could. So that scholarship has helped me to do that and to reduce the challenges that I faced. Great. Peter, tell us a little bit about what you offer at Edinburgh Napier for estranging care experienced students. At Edinburgh Napier, we offer initially name contact support from application stage, which, although it's a simple measure, can be really powerful and really impactful in, in supporting learners through that really difficult, sometimes difficult challenge of decision making period. If someone maybe from a care experience background or maybe someone who's estranged um, from their family, they may not have that support network. They may not have relatives or family members or friends who go to university. So that initial contact can really help provide people with the information at the right moment of time. Once students join the university at, at Edinburgh Napier, we can support students through the initial accepting their offer and then join student accommodation. There could be a lot of challenges for students to make that decision, which for a lot of students, it's a, it could be the biggest decision they've made in their life to move from where they're living to a new city and take up a student accommodation, which if you're taking out a tenancy agreement, that can be very daunting um, for students, particularly when the first instalment of bursaries or funding haven't been paid. So we can help navigate that process and I can work with my colleagues ensure students have that support and guidance um, th at the right moment in time, as I mentioned, hopefully to avert any crises that maybe can can build up from just missing um, some of these key kind of uh, milestones along the journey. Once the students are with us at Edinburgh Napier, we offer, for example, a care experience bursary. So there's financial support in place. And actually, even during the offer stage, some of our students will be eligible to receive an adjusted offer, adjusting the grades of the offer to take into context some of the experiences people have had to overcome and the extra challenges and barriers. So we try and have kind of an all-encompassing support. Absolutely. It can be so hard. And I think that idea of having a named contact is so important. It was something that students have told us quite a lot, that just being able to have somebody that you can call on. I used to be able to, to ring my mum and dad to be able to ask a question or thought. But actually, if you don't have that support network in your life in quite the same way, being able to have somebody at the university who genuinely has your interests at heart is so important. Bethia, you talked about your first year you weren't on the scholarship. If you hadn't have found the scholarship, what do you think that one of the biggest challenges would have been in securing somewhere to live at university? The biggest challenge wasn't ever finding somewhere to live because I think I'm quite resourceful and I was aware of guardianship schemes and kind of ways of having housing that would have been affordable but the price that would have come with that would have meant 
I'd have had to stay working quite intense part-time hours on top of my studying. And I mean, I'm sure as you can imagine, like a law degree at UCL Mm -hmm. is hardly an easy ride. (laughs) Uh, And I think the most difficult thing about my first year was balancing working with my studies and having enough time for all of them and sort of not having any time beyond that for anything else in life, which I think really takes its toll because to do well at university, you do kind of need to treat it like a full-time job. Whilst the maintenance grants that I received were generous and were at the top end, the thing that I think people often forget to take into account if you're estranged or a care leaver is there's often no money behind you or anything else. There's no security blanket. There's no insurance policy for if things go wrong or if you don't pass your year. It can look like, oh, you should have enough money to get by. You should be fine. But you're always kind of, I think, worried. You almost expect the worst to happen because I think for a lot of us, that's been our experience for a large part of our lives. And that's a really tough situation to be in. And I think that's what the heart of the foundation and our scholarship approach is that actually it just takes away that stress of where am I going to, to stay and how am I going to afford the bills? But also we talk about it being something that frees up students to experience everything that university has to offer. So you're absolutely right. A university degree can completely be a full-time job, but that shouldn't stop you from being able to take part in the club societies, the volunteering, the fundraising, all of that kind of stuff, which is so important to a kind of full and rounded university experience. Peter, I would be interested to come to you and get your sense. You talked at the beginning about having been involved in university and widening participation for a few years. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your thoughts on whether higher education has become more inclusive of Australian care experience students over the last few years and what some of those key changes have been, I guess, particularly from a Scottish perspective, given that you generally tend to lead the way on quite a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I think um, there's certainly been progress made, but I've been around for long enough to think that we always have room for more progress. One of the most simplest steps that is quite heartening is actually we're using more inclusive language. The language now we're using, for example, the term care experience, which will encompass the experience people may have in early childhood and early adolescence and up to care leaver. I think that in itself is very progressive and very inclusive. When I started working um, in widening participation, the, the term estranged wasn't formed yet. It wasn't regularly used or commonly used. And I think having the term estranged is positive and inclusive in itself. And I think that will probably change and mature over time. And we may have different terminology in five years' time or 10 years' time. But I think in terms of some of the progress made in Scotland, we've, we've seen a societal change. Um, we have legislation in Scotland that came in, into effect in 2014 called the Children and Young People Act, which meant universities and colleges, public bodies essentially became corporate parents and they have statutory responsibilities. If very quickly led to changes and implementations of new practices which were more inclusive. We had the Commission of Widen Access in Scotland, which the final report was released in 2016. But one of the big changes in that report was that actually one of the recommendations was to bring in a care-experienced student bursary. So students in Scotland and Scottish domicile students, so students living in Scotland who are eligible, um, will receive an £8,100 per year bursary. So it's a full bursary. Um, and there's also there is a summer accommodation grant. So essentially there's year-round funding for students in Scotland from care experience backgrounds, and that is transformational. 
But with that financial package of support in Scotland, people can have a home. They can have a stable home 52 weeks of the year. They have financial independence to focus on their studies. And um, and we're seeing some of these elements start to become into effect in, in England and, and Wales and Northern Ireland as well, which is very positive. But again, there's always room for improvement. In terms of some of the work for estranged students, when I was first in post, estranged students wasn't a term. We'd be familiar with students kind of sofa surfing. It seemed kind of temporary, transient. Not to minimise it, but it wasn't a systemic um, issue. But actually now we realise we've been kind of educated and some of the work that Standalone have done and Unite Foundation are allowing senior managers at university, they're allowing student unions to appreciate that this is actually people's lives. This is people who are trying to study who have multiple barriers, financial barriers, guarantor barriers, not having a home. And that's really critical. I think we've seen this inclusive language. We're starting to see these policies be implemented. And I'm heartened that actually in the future, there's some more steps that we could do um, as a higher education sector across the UK to kind of drive forward even more changes and build momentum. And we're definitely seeing a more inclusive um, higher education sector, but there's still more to be done. You're absolutely spot on, Peter. I think so much has changed in the last few years, but there is always more to do to make sure that we're creating the very best environment for care experience and Australian students. It was really interesting you were talking about that the kind of accommodation for 52 weeks of the year and talking about that that idea of summer accommodation and particularly given that we're coming up to Christmas the kind of notion in universities of students going home for Christmas uh, where actually for many of our scholarship students and more generally care experience and students their place that they are living at university is their home. Bethia I wonder whether you ever felt like that that actually it was it was your home that you were you were staying in and that that kind of notion of going home for Christmas or home for summer break was something that you ever felt like you were really part of at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't feel part of it because it just wasn't my reality. I didn't go home for summer. I didn't go home for Christmas. One of the things I really valued about being a scholar and getting the bursary was meeting other students who'd had a similar experience and it was a shared norm. I was fortunate enough that like, I didn't spend Christmases on my own in halls. Like, I had extended family or close friends who I was able to spend Christmases with. But I think there's definitely a burden and a kind of every year, even now, you have to like think or oh, plan your Christmas or who am I going to spend Christmas with? Like who can I potentially like ask or might offer this year? It definitely is something that's magnified, a difference that's magnified during those holiday periods. But it's something that's part of a much bigger picture and just one piece of a puzzle that makes estranged and care experienced students feel different and like marginalised from the rest of their cohort and from their peers. Sheree, what what were your experiences of your um, time at uni whilst the pandemic was happening and, and, and your home being your home and not this idea of going back in adverted commas home for Christmas? At the beginning, my first year with holidays came, First, I was like, oh, my God, hold on. I can't go home, but students are going home. And then the same thing happened in the second year. So third year when COVID-19 hit and the instructions saying that we have to stay in our accommodation, I felt a bit sad for the students who are wishing to go home to their family and friends and stuff like that. For me, I felt like I had to stay anyway. So it was not a surprise to me. And I felt fine because I was I was used to it, like in the first year and second year. So to me, that was OK, to be honest. <laughs> On that note, when the pandemic hit, 
I didn't receive any outreach from my university, anything about being a scholar or what support I might have, where I might be living, anything like that. And I think that's a huge space where support could have been offered. I was quite fortunate that my partner at the time and their family were super supportive and I had like that network. There's so many students who don't have that and will have felt extremely isolated during that period. Institutions definitely could have done more. Absolutely. COVID pandemic aside, I guess, what do you think was your kind of wish for what your university could do differently? What would what would you want them to change in terms of their support for, for care experience and estranged students? Honestly, I think it just felt like everything was on me, like finding the bursary for Unite was on me, finding any other pools of support was on me. If I needed support, it was on me to reach out, it was on me to find it. The reality was that at the start of the pandemic, I was dealing with too much already to be able to have the capacity to reach out for help. I didn't feel like I had any support that I could really reach out to in my uni. And I know that that wasn't necessarily true because in my final year I was student ambassador. I see the widening participation work that UCL does and it's incredible, but it wasn't, it just wasn't accessible to me and I think a lot of other estranged students and care leavers and any young person who's going through a really difficult time and I understand and appreciate how challenging it is to find those people and offer sufficient support to them and it's actually something that I think about a lot in the outreach and support work that I do but it is so important to offer that deeper layer of support identify those students reach out to people ask if they're okay and initiate those conversations I think there's so many people especially estranged students who are dealing with some really traumatic stuff and have always flown under the radar and you you almost don't believe that that support is out there and I think there's a lot of young people who don't even look for it. Peter do you want to share your thoughts? Yeah I I think um, it's disheartening to to hear Betcha's experience and There are simple measures that universities, all universities could do, even when resources are tight, to make sure that students get access to information and guidance. We we, can use information from UCAS and application forms. We can use information from matriculation when students enroll to get mailing lists, to get newsletters out to students. And for a lot of the newsletters I send to to the various student groups I work with, I always include the last email, like, please, you don't need to reply to this message. Just save it away. And if you ever need anything, you can get in touch. Because once you have that basis, and then when we have events like Estranged Student Solidarity Week and Care Experience Week, and we have all these events on campus to celebrate and promote some of the services, I think that's the basis of building relationships so that students don't feel, like true exceptional times like COVID, they don't feel isolated and it doesn't take huge resource. But just knowing that the support there, um, it can help. And I know from my work, there's some students that if they were left isolated, um, as was described there by Beth, that you end up at crisis point. And a conversation a few weeks earlier, a bit of guidance, introducing people to the student funding team or the hardship or discretionary fund or this care experience bursary or restrained student funding, that can make a real difference. So some of those are the themes that hopefully we can get kind of universal agreement across universities that we can have these simple frameworks in place where we can have targeted information and students will know that there is support available. 
You're absolutely right. It's that really proactive approach, isn't it, about not just waiting for students to come and find you. You really have to get on the front foot and really engage. It's just making sure that you are really being proactive as much as possible. Peter, I wonder if I could come to you again. And we've talked a little bit about some of the the kind of challenges that universities and students face in in making sure that students particularly are best able to succeed whilst at university. Given some of those challenges, where do you see the impetus for change coming from? What do you think is going to really help shift the dial on some of these areas that we've talked about? I think there's a couple of approaches, um, Fiona. I think a lot of some of the really good practice and when we get some real change, it can tend to come from students and student unions. Student unions are a key part of this process going forward and driving forward change. I think universities as well, they need some guidance. They need targets and measures. In Scotland, universities will have targets and measures for care experience students. And we're not quite there yet for estranged students. But again, we're using some of the experiences we have to date to hopefully bring that forward. Um, Because although there has been progress mentioned, and that's much welcomed, and we've discussed some of the, the progress already, I think there are still huge, huge inequalities in place. And for me, I'd like to get in a position where a student young person or of any age is able to choose the course, the degree program that best suits them and that they're not weighing up that program against how far away it is, the accommodation costs. If they're moving from one part of the the country to maybe Edinburgh or London or Manchester where accommodation is more expensive um, and not have to essentially settle um, for something that is more affordable, more within their budget. And hopefully these inequalities and these barriers can be broken down by implementing bursaries by changing how some of the funding and bursaries are paid so that students will have their instalments before they sign their tenancy agreements, that accommodation is affordable based on their student loan or their student bursary. So there are some significant challenges ahead, but we have a good foundation to build upon. But I do see more government involvement. We see more targets and measures. So universities essentially take this really seriously, just as serious as they take some of the other widened access initiatives. But also student unions have involved to play in this because they're so powerful when student unions join together. We can and we have seen some real change in the past. You're absolutely right. And I think it's so important. I talked right at the beginning about listening to the voices of students. And I think that's a really core cool part of particularly the work of the foundation. But I know a number of our other partners about really making sure that we hear and then listen and act on the voices and experiences of students so that we are really making sure that change is happening. Great. Really interesting. And I think there is so much we can do. And I think particularly for us at the Unite Foundation, a really core part of our new five-year strategy is making life better for all care experience and students. And there is a lot that we've all talked about so far that we are really keen to start to make some progress on over the next few years. I wonder just to finish off, Bethia, if you were to sum up your university experience, what was the best part of, of life at, at uni? It's, that's actually a really difficult question. I think it's so hard to <laughs> separate. But honestly, I think the people that I met made the experience. And I came away with friends for life. And some of those friends I would not have met without the scholarship. And not just other scholars, other students, that international students and all sorts of different people. Just my time at university really opened my eyes to what the kind of wider world had to offer made me believe that my own ambitions and kind of aspirations were achievable. And I can't say that if I'd not gone to UCL, I'd have ever kind of really unlocked that mindset that I hope will take me far. 
I have absolutely no doubt it will, Bethia. Thank you. And I think you touched on something really interesting. People lacking aspiration are saying, actually, it's absolutely not about lacking aspiration. It's about lacking the opportunities to realise that those aspirations and, and ambitions. And I'm so, so proud that particularly for your journey, the, the foundation was able to play even just a tiny part in, in being able to realise those ambitions. Sharik, if you were to sum up your time at university, what would you say? What's your the best part? I think overall, it was good and also challenging. But the best part is being among students in the campus that are from different countries, different courses, different backgrounds and stuff like that. That's the best thing because the feeling you get is amazing. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Bethia, Sharik and Peter for your time and for sharing your experiences and your expertise. It has been so insightful. Thank you to all of our listeners. It's been a real privilege to guest host this episode and and take over the podcast. You can learn more about the Unite Foundation at thisisusatuni.org, where you can find links to all of our wonderful student-led social media channels, our blog and our own podcast, This Is Us, as well as information about how you can be part of our scholarship scheme. Accommodation Matters podcast is taking a break for January, so make sure you follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform and you can be notified when the next episode goes live. So that's all for me. Whether you're celebrating or not, do have a wonderful winter break and a safe new year. Thank you.